Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Greg Detmeyer, one half of the Instructional Coaching Corner team. Jenny's here, too. She's sitting across from me. We are instructional coaches here in Iowa. And since we're sitting here talking to each other with the microphones and our little notes, well, Jenny has notes, I don't, <laughs> which you'll clearly tell throughout the course of this podcast, <laughs> this is the Instructional Coaching Corner, the podcast. Jenny, how are you doing today? I'm great. It's good. Yeah. Good day? Yeah, it has Ready been to get day. back to school? I am. I, you know... When this releases, like, we should already we actually... should be in school. In live time, we'll probably be like, we're in the swing of things. Yeah. Feeling I kind of feel like we are, though, because, I mean, I've been to work every day this week. And this week, yep. I've had to set an alarm clock, which I haven't had to do for, you know, So, funny story today, um, this morning, my... I typically always use my phone for an alarm. Backup alarm is... E, like an actual like old school alarm clock. So I, I get up at 4.10 to go work out. And it was about 4.25, so I slept in. However, at 4.25, that's when the backup alarm clock goes off. And I was sitting up in bed today, like, and my wife's yelling me, shut the alarm off, hit the swipe button. And I'm like looking at my phone, I'm like, it's not giving me an option. <laughs> like I'm like going through the apps and like swiping stuff to shut stuff down. I'm like, it's not working. It was the old school. And it was it was the other alarm clock. So oh, that's awesome. I should have uh, rolled right back to bed and went back to sleep after that start. But I'm glad I got up, got my workout in, feeling great. How's that going? It's going, it's going well. Are you well. still every, every morning? Yeah, yeah. Um, there were a couple days of summer. I think over the course of summer, I missed probably 10 days. Yep. But that's that's still a win. That's not bad. Do you feel more energy during the day when you get up in the Until morning? Until probably about 6 o'clock. I just can't sit down at night. Like yep. as soon as I sit down after dinner, I fall asleep. So I try to just stay up. Like yep. I just stand there and watch TV. But I think if you have more energy during the day, like you're more productive. When I get up in the morning and you know get going earlier i feel like i'm more productive during the day so like i've I've been up six hours oh so i don't feel groggy or anything i have not so i've been up for three nice job Um, well sometimes (laughs) when i'm tired at night when i'm standing there watching tv because i don't want to sit down because i I won't be able to get up i fall down have you ever fallen down jenny um yeah but like metaphorically like where something didn't go your way and you you failed at something. Yep. Well, you have you have to get back up. You can't just you can't just stay down. You can't. So we're gonna yeah. call that falling up. I, I like it. So yeah. falling up is when we kind of learn from our failure, right? Yep. You know, it's funny because most people think that you only have two paths when you're faced with an adverse situation. Lay there on the ground and stay falling down. Yep. Or just get up and be like, I'm no better off. Um, yeah. So path one, I am where I am. I'm not any better. I'm not any worse. I'm just going to stay there. Or things could get a lot worse. I mean, some people really just go to that, you know, things could be a lot worse. Doom and gloom. This is why Jenny has the notes, folks. So if you think about like a soldier that's going to be deployed, um, usually before they leave, they're told, you know, when you get back, you could be where you are now, not any better, not any worse. Or when you come back, so often, so many soldiers have PTSD, that Mm post-traumatic stress disorder, and things could be a lot worse. So really, in life, lots of people think that those are our only two paths. But oftentimes, there is that third path, but it gets buried. Um, I like to think about uh, Michael Jordan. Okay. 
one of the greatest basketball players of all time. So I actually got to see Michael Jordan play. Of which the kids we teach now have no they idea who he is. They don't even know who he is. is. Nope, nope. Um, do you know that he was actually cut from his high school basketball team? I do. They told me he didn't have enough You don't have it skill. in yep. Yeah. Now, he could have thought to himself, you know what? They're probably right. They see kids every day coming in out of basketball, and he could have quit, or things could have gotten a lot worse, but he didn't give up. He kept practicing and kept practicing going. and practicing, and look where look where he was at. I mean, he actually even dabbled in the baseball world for a little bit, but really, I mean, Jenny, basketball his. He even saved the Looney Tunes from an alien invasion. <laughs> I mean, let's be oh. serious. Until until LeBron does that, I'm not even comparing the two. <laughs> LeBron has nothing on Jordan. It's right? like yeah. Come talk to me when you save the Looney Tunes from an alien invasion. Yep. Uh, how about the story of uh, Walt Disney? Do you know that story? I love Walt Disney. Okay. Did you hear what happened to him? He got fired for not being creative. Yeah. Not, not having being... creative enough creativity. Yeah. Did you know even when he presented the idea of Mickey Mouse to those who would publish and sell it and so forth, they told him, this is ridiculous. Women and children will be terrified of a three-foot mouse. <laughs> and today, I believe Mickey Mouse is the most recognized cartoon character in the world. I think something yep. like 96% of kids in the industrial industrialized world can recognize that's Mickey Mouse. The second you said his name, I started singing his M-I-C-K-E-Y-M. I started singing that in my head. It just popped in my head. I mean, Mickey Mouse is a classic. And I love now they sometimes will get even some of the old-time animated frame-by-frame cartoons mm-hmm. of Mickey Mouse back out. I love those. Yeah, it's great. so do you remember when we were kids, or when I was a kid at least, I mean, a little different generation, but um, <laughs> every now and then, like there was no Disney Channel mm-hmm. other than one you had to pay for extra, and a few times a year it would be free for a week or so. Do you, so you remember you binged, that? Would you, we binge watch. We yeah, like, oh. but it was a classic like yep. Mickey Mouse stuff. Now there's a, we have like I think four different Disney channels. Yep. I so, was trying to tell that to my kids. There's like, what are you talking about, Dad? They don't get it. So. Yeah. But so Walt Disney went from being told, "Yeah, you're not creative," to creating something huge, mm-hmm. just enormous. So even with Walt, one last thing with this, I I I, yeah. I love the story of Walt Disney. Um, his first four movies or whatever, I think like it was like Dumbo. Fantasia, maybe Snow White or something. At the time, those were seen as as like failures. Like mm-hmm. they didn't do well. And now you look back and it's like, that's a Disney classic. Yeah. Like I was going to say Dumbo film. is probably the earliest Disney movie that I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So just, just huge to think that these people, you know, potentially could have given up. I mean, the people that they looked up to the most, their coach, their colleagues – told them that they would not be successful, that you didn't have skill, you weren't creative. But instead of going down the two paths of just staying where you are and not getting any better or letting things get a lot worse, I mean, they could have they could have really taken the turn for the worse. They chose the third path, which we said most often gets buried. And that is the path where you want to learn and you want to grow and you want to get better. And we call that PTG. Do you know what that is, Greg? Post traumatic growth way to look at my notes nice job well i knew it (laughs) 
I have my notes. They're just in my office and we're not there. Yeah. It is post-traumatic growth. It is when something bad happens or something, you know, happens that's negative that we can learn from that and we can take that trauma, that whatever happened, and we can learn and we can grow from it, that we're not going to let it get the best of us, that no matter how bad things get, we can try to find the good. And it's not to say that... um, you can't feel bad about something that happens or that you have to be happy all the time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that. But it is saying that um, here's the reality of what happened and it was traumatic or it was, you know, negative or, it, you know, it really brought us down. But we're not going to let that define us. We're going to learn and we're going to grow from it. So that's what that post-traumatic growth means. What I really love about this is I feel like this was kind of the point in the book where it's like, there's so much connecting with other stuff right now. You know, I love it when I can connect something like the happiness advantage to Carol Dweck's work on mindset to like the work Trevor Reagan's doing, even to like the work at KPEC, like we heard from Joe Beckman, mm-hmm. where it's just like all this stuff fits together it and does. it just, it just works. Well, and it, it just validates that whole idea that, you know, we, we feel like the more we have, the more success we, the more success we have, the more, uh, the nicer car we have, the, the nicer home that we own, the, the happier we'll be. When in reality, everything that we learn from these people that you just mentioned is that we have to be happy first. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to be happy with our lives and where we're at and what we have, and then success comes. So I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the idea of so like when we fail you know you said we have those three options now we have that option of growth and like kind of the thought I've really had in my mind for over the summer was like every choice I make is either going to take me closer to my goal or further away from my goal so when I fail at something I have a choice right there to choose do I take that third path which is going to get me closer to my goal or do I take the one of those other two paths which it's going to take me further away from the goal I'm trying to achieve mm-hmm. you know um Dan Butler is an elementary principal and the principal that you work with Greg and he has such an inspiring story uh, Dan has a blog post it's uh, www.danpbutler.com And this goes all the way back to October 2013. This is one of his stories. But um, he talks about a young man that he coached uh, for football. And Dan was the defensive coach. Am I I right? I believe so. Correct. Um, And so this young man was coming from junior high. And, you know, Dan had heard about him from the coaches saying, oh, he's got a lot of talent. He's doing really well. And that summer, this young man was in a very serious four-wheeler accident and hurt his leg really bad and developed infection after infection, MRSA. And he, at the age of 14, had to make a decision to amputate his leg. And I'm thinking in my head right now, Greg, like, what a hard decision. I mean, I have a daughter that's almost 13, Mm -hmm. and I can't imagine putting that weight on her shoulders to, to, to make that decision. But He made the decision to amputate his leg, and his thinking was that he wanted to just be done with the infection so that he could heal and that he could start working on football again. I mean, he loved football. He wanted to get back at it. Um, 
And so on and off, you know, he had, was it his freshman year? He didn't play. Sophomore year, he played and had a great year. Um, he had to learn how to, you know, play with a prosthetic yep. leg. Um, played offense and defense and had a great sophomore year. And then came into junior year and developed an infection again and didn't play. And that was devastating, you know, like to for, for Dan and for the coaching staff who knew how much talent he had, they were devastated for him that he couldn't play. And uh, he said, you know what? Nope, I'm going to get over this infection and I'm going to play when I'm a senior. I'm going I'm to get back out there. And uh, very first game or one, one of the first games of his senior year, he was hurt, a torn ACL. And he was done for the season. And Dan said that he remembers feeling so heartbroken for this young man because he was done. You know, he was a senior. He wasn't going to be able to recover from this and get back at it. And Dan had said to him, you know, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. I'm so sorry that you're not able to play. And he said, I'm not. He said, you know, I, I made this decision. He said, this happening to me has made me learn how to be a stronger person and problem solve through things and just realize how hard work and dedication can get you through something. He said, I may not have played, but he said, I, I won in the end. And I just think that is such an amazing story of falling up. I mean, so focused on the journey too. Yeah. Like, I didn't play those games, but you know, the journey was worth it. Mm-hmm. And again, his age. I just keep going back to the fact that he was, you know, 14 years old, making the decision to amputate a leg and then going on into, you know, you're 16 and then you're 17 and you're 18 and you still have these huge life decisions that you're making. And really it defined who he is today. I mean, he's a, he's a great, great kid. His sister actually teaches in our building. So we'll talk to her every once in a while and just see how he's doing. And, um, yeah, it's such an inspiring story, such an inspiring story of falling up. So, um, so as a district, we kind of came up with like a process, I would say, Mm -hmm. um, those who lead the orange frog training kind of rolled out a process that we kind of take ourselves through Mm -hmm. for falling up where we're utilizing a bunch of the other strategies. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about that a little bit, Jenny? Yeah. And I think it's really, I, I like what you had just said there. I think it's so important. I think the first time I went through the happiness advantage training, I had all these principles, you know, in the book, it talks about the seven principles, but you still leave and you're thinking, okay, so I should use this principle for this and this one for this. And it's really hard to connect them and to Mm -hmm. figure out a good way to process through situations um, in, in in a positive way. And so, yeah, we have a system that we did. So how do we follow up from a situation? The first one kind of goes all the way back to that mindset matters in learning to become a calm responder, okay? What are the so, other ones out there? If you're not a calm responder. You're a venter. Venter. Just... So a venter would be like, I come to you and I just tell you everything that happened. And it's just, this person did this and oh my gosh, this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. Oh, I hate it when you do that. And then you all leave the and you say, the person says to you, oh, thanks for listening. I just needed to get that off my chest. But there was no solution. You weren't, you know, you could ask back, well, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And the person's like, oh, no, I'm good. I just needed to get it off my it. chest. That's a venter. So somebody who just wants to get it off their chest. And they're probably not really feeling better. It just made a false sense of feeling better. Yep. Yeah. So the next one is the five alarmer. Do you know what that is? 
I'm guessing that's someone who they drop their pen and go, ah, well, this is the hugest problem in the world. What are we going to do? Yep. Everything's a problem. Everything. And it's not just it's like, like it could the be max. the smallest problem, but they blow it up into the yep. biggest deal. Yep. So you have the five alarmers. So, and I, I know those people. I think I've been a venter. I think I've probably have been a five alarmer at some I, point. I think depending on what we're doing, we might be all three of those. I know there's times like anytime I'm working on a car. There's going to be a point where I can't get a bolt off. <laughs> and in my mind, it's just, it's the worst thing ever. Uh, it's going to snap. Then I'm going to have to replace it. I'm going to have to rip half the car apart to fix this one bolt. And I just start freaking out and nothing goes right then. So Greg, here's, here's, what, uh, here's what our Orange Frog trainers would say. They would say to rate it on a scale of one to 10. How big of a deal is How this? big of a deal is it? So you do that. And it kind of calms you down because you really realize, okay, I can't get the bolt off right now. Is that a 10? Is that like life threatening that I can't get this mm -hmm. bolt off right now? It kind of forces you to rate how bad the situation is. It puts it into perspective. It does. And if it's something that's a one, a two, a three, like maybe we don't need to get so worked up about mm -hmm. it. Maybe we can let our blood pressure stay down for a little bit. But if it is a seven, an eight, nine, maybe even a 10, like that's life threatening. Like to me, if you have a situation that you feel is at a 10 like that to me is an immediate like you need to get an answer for that or you need to figure that out because that's life-threatening that's not something that you can sit and wait on um so that that's the first part of kind of working through an adverse situation that you might have get that calm mindset matters like think about your mindset rate it rate give it. it give it a number where where does it sit it brings you back down and it can kind of train you to be that calm responder. So the second one, the second step actually goes back to our previous podcast on social investment. Talks about appropriate communication. So Greg, with social investment, we talked about how it's having that investment with the people that care the most about you, having a social investment with the people um, in your personal life, but mm -hmm. also having a professional kind of social network yep. that you can go to. Um, and this is actually just figuring out, okay, here's my problem. It's at a level four, but I, I know that I need to talk to somebody about it. So you go to your social network and you decide, who do I need to talk to about this? That can do something about that it. That can do something about it. Because I can go to five of my coworkers and I can complain and I can vent about a situation, but they're not going to be able to help me with it. So you've got to look at your social network and decide which one of these people within my social network can help me solve this problem. And that's the only person you go to. Yep. So it doesn't become an issue of gossiping or venting or, you know, getting more people involved in a situation and, that, really need that to be. don't need to be. Yep. So that's kind of the second step. Okay. So we rated it. We got our mindset in the right place. We're calmly yep. responding. We're talking to the right people. Yep. So that's a social investment. The third one... Do you remember? Is the Ungard. Ungard. It is the Zorro Circle. Swashbuckling. So <laughs> Isn't that what it's when, called when you're sword fighting? I think so. That's what I'd call myself. I'm a swashbuckler. <laughs> so when you're having that appropriate conversation, uh, you definitely that next step when you're having that conversation with the person is having a small finding a small solution, having your solution be very focused. So you take that Zorro circle, depending on how big your problem is, and you decide 
what can I do right now? What can I do tomorrow? What can I do next week? So you kind of set the series of steps to help you solve the problem. So you're you're talking with that person that you have in your social network that can help you solve it. And then you're finding that focused solution. So you're finding that small circle and you're maybe that's something that you can go back and do right away. Mm-hmm. Something we can do next week. So you're you're setting those steps to help you solve the problem. So I really like this. So I think th- this was the part that I missed the first time I went through Orange Frog. Um, we had learned all the principles. And I think even as a district, Rick and Kelly and Dan really realized that um, we had all these principles, but how were we going to make it work for us? And so they kind of gave us this falling up path. And it even, I mean, it basically utilized the other strategies. Like we're going mindset. We are... Going with social investment. Yep, bringing in our social network, and then we're Zorro circling our way out of the problem. Yep, and I think that's huge. So I think for all of you listening, um, obviously as an instructional coach, sometimes I think we're faced with with questions from teachers that we may not be able to answer. Um, I think sometimes we also have conversations with teachers when you know maybe there's just frustration or anybody. It's not even teachers. It might even be me going to Greg and having needing a venting session, but really, I need him to say, rate it, Jenny. How big of a deal is mm-hmm. this? And he's my social network to talk me through how to solve a problem when I'm frustrated with something at work. Um, it could be, you know, something at home. Using this process and really thinking about it and thinking your way through it will be such a huge benefit because it does keep you from blowing things out of proportion, getting yourself worked up over something that's not worth it, and really just finding the quickest, easiest path to overcome it, and at the same time, still keeping that positivity in check. I agree. It's great. I, I love how there are times a, a change comes from the district, and these that's the exact thing that uh, is sent out. Like, here's a change, and Here's how we're going to address it as a district with that template. Like, yep. here's the level it is. Here's who who needs to be involved with this. And here's our next three Zorro circles. Mm-hmm. Very I, powerful. It is. I love that our district has this. This has been such a great addition. And I think, again, this is another huge, huge shout out to uh, Mr. Culpitz and Kelly Simon and Dan Butler for going through this training and bringing it back to the Western Dubuque District and giving us the opportunity to have this because it has made a difference and it has taught a lot of us that what we say and do matters and that in our district, nobody is just a, you know, just a custodian, just a uh, teacher, just a kitchen staff, just a bus driver, that we are all somebody and that what we say and do matters. And hopefully as you've listened to these podcasts, you've gotten a lot of things that you can take away um, and use within your building and within your district. Very good. Jenny, Any anything else? I mean, we've been hammering happiness advantage, uh, positive thinking for the last seven-ish shows now. Yep. It kind of felt like break it, there. Yeah, in, we wanted to get middle. it done a little bit quicker, but um, summer happened. It, I think it's a great one. It is the happiness advantage. I would recommend that. Uh, check out Dan Butler's website www.danpbutler.com for his blog. Um, and the one with the that we referenced earlier was called 
Persistence, Resilience, and Grit. And that can be found on the archive of October 2013, like Jenny said. Yeah, check it out. I mean, a lot of his, he's got a lot of great uh, articles or great blog posts on there. So if you haven't, if you haven't looked at it, give it a, give it a check. It's really a great one. You can also go to our website, www.iccpodcast.com. You can find our past shows, some mini cast. You can also find a spot for listener mail. We love hearing from people. And uh, if you have any ideas on topics you would like us to research and cover and then podcast on, we'd love to hear that. We have a few that we know for sure we're going to be doing in the coming months, but uh, we're always looking for ideas and would love to hear from you. You can also check us out on social media, Facebook and Twitter. And uh, Jenny, I'm going to let you finish this whole podcast up. The whole series of The Happiness Advantage is going to be finished up by oh. Jay Hill here, and she's going to do it in her most positive, happy <laughs> voice possible. All right, everybody. As we leave, ask yourself, what one thing could I do tomorrow that will make me a better version of myself? Then wake up and do it. Because greatness isn't achieved by one event, but instead a series of small, intentional steps. Go be awesome.